0: Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. Welcome to another installment of The Art of Living. As we are recording this uh, program, we are still recovering and reeling from the events of 9-11 which has caused many people to seek desperately for signs, for indications, for some kind of reassurance that things are as they should be, or that this was meant to happen, or that uh, this is going to lead to some great uh, benefit or some great reward for those who have suffered. And unfortunately, in such times, when the art of living is challenged and uh, we really need to dig deep to come up with the right responses and understand the art of living when the chips are down. Unfortunately, people start to look for hints, for coded messages in Torah, in the prophets, in Kabbalah. It would be very helpful to uh, consider this letter written to someone in England which talks about knowing and recognizing signs of redemption. What are we supposed to be looking for and what is reassuring? What tells us that something good is in the makings? Let's read the letter. Greeting and blessing. I am in receipt of your undated letter. The first observation I must make is that whenever a question is to be discussed, there can be meaningful discussion only if both sides accept certain premises as a basis for the discussion. From your letter I see that we both accept the written and oral Torah as indisputable authority. Now, it is clearly explained, both in the written and oral Torah, that insofar as Jews are concerned, exile is the result not of military circumstances, such as an outnumbered army, nor of economic pressures necessitating submission to a stronger power, nor of any such case causes. Rather, as has been amply explained again and again in the Chumash, including whole Sidras, entire sections, such as B'chukesai and Kisavai, also in the books of the prophets, and even more so in the Talmud and rabbinic literature, that if Jews had always adhered to the Torah and mitzvahs, they would never have been driven into exile. Regardless of the fact that, quote, you are the smallest among the nations. Jews have always been outnumbered and outgunned in terms of military and physical resources. As King David succinctly puts it, "...these come in chariots, and those on horses, but we call upon the name of God." Conversely, when Jews forsake the Torah and mitzvahs, God forbid, neither strength in defense nor military might nor political alliances are of the least avail. For the Torah clearly states, "...if you will walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you." with exile as the inevitable consequence. In light of the above, the true test of events purported to herald the redemption, the ge'ulah, is to determine whether or not there has been an essential change in the causes which brought about the exile in the first place, namely the advent of a new tendency in the direction of stronger adherence to the Torah and the mitzvahs. A further point to consider. After the destruction of the temple, there were still a number of Jews remaining in Israel, upon whom it was also incumbent to observe everything connected with or commemorating the exile. As a matter of fact, those who remained in Eretz Yisrael and saw the destruction with their own eyes would have felt the impact of the khurban, of the destruction and the exile, even more than others. Let us remember, moreover, that the observance of Tisha B'Av, etc., was in effect even during the time of Gedalia ben Achikam, the Jewish governor of the Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael, before his assassination by Yishmael. So the Rebbe is saying that if you see changes in military conditions or in political alliances, or other such interests, this is not an assurance that the exile is ending or that the redemption is coming. What does indicate the end of the exile and the beginning of redemption is a change in the morality of the Jewish people and the world in general. So when there is more godliness, then the geulah is developing and the Golas is fading. But if there is no increase in godliness, then the changes in political alliances or military sophistication may produce a better living condition in exile, but it is not an indication of Geula. Let's continue with the letter. As with many other Torah matters, there are sources where all of this is explained at great length. However, inasmuch as not every person has the ability or the patience to make an exhaustive study of such matters in their original sources, they can also be found in a short and concentrated form. Thus, we find the subject under discussion formulated in succinct terms by the great teacher, the Rambam, Maimonides, who was not only the guide for the perplexed of his generation, but for the perplexed of all generations. In his code, Yad HaHazaka, he describes in brief but highly meaningful terms the state of the last era of the exile as it is going to be and shows how the beginning of the Geula will follow. I will quote his words, but in English translation and with interpolations to clarify the text, together with some prefatory remarks, namely that it has been amply explained in the written and oral Torah that the Geulah will come through the Melech HaMashiach, the King Mashiach, as the Rambam also declares, simply as a matter of course in the section which forms the last of his entire code. So that in a sense, it represents the very seal of the entire code, and that is the section of the Laws of Kings. There at the beginning of chapter 2, he states that the King Mashiach will bring the Redemption, and at the end of this chapter, he describes carefully the sequence of events that must precede his coming. And since this is not a book on philosophy, but a code of laws, the terms used are carefully chosen and strictly to the point without polemics or homiletics. This is what he states in paragraph four. And when a king of the house of David will arise, dedicated as ancestor David, to the study of Torah and observance of mitzvahs, according to the written Torah and the oral Torah, and he will compel all the Jewish people to walk in it and strengthen its fences, and he will fight the wars of God. He is to be assumed to be the Mashiach. Note that this is not yet a certain sign of redemption, of Geulah, for all this can still take place in a state of exile. However, if he does so and succeeds in the above matters, namely, having won all battles and compelled all the Jewish people to study the Torah and to mend its fences, we are still not sure and require a further sign, namely, builds the base hamigdash in its place. Clearly, in the holy city of Yerushalayim, indicating that there would be a large Jewish population in that city, and yet we are still not certain of the end of the exile, so a further factor must be fulfilled. Namely, he gathers in the dispersed ones of Israel, and then he is certainly the Mashiach. Surely, no further commentaries are necessary. I will only add the following significant point, which is, that this ruling and din of the Rambam is not contested by any POSIK, by any halakhic authority. Even the author of the Shulchan Aruch, also the author of Kesef Mishnah, a well-known commentary on the Rambam, which deals with this chapter too, finds nothing problematic here, accepting it without question. Nor, indeed, are there any other poskim who differ. To be sure, there are in the Agada, and Midrash and elsewhere various homilies and references and allusions to the period of the redemption of the Geula. But these are only homilies and do not affect the practical halacha, the ruling. Even in the halacha, we find that certain differences of opinion concerning different matters in the Mishnah and the Gemara, but once the final decision and Psak Din is determined, it is valid for all without demur. Just as an aside, the best example of this is that there are differences of opinion as to how we're supposed to light Hanukkah candles. Eight candles the first night and then seven the second and so on, or one candle the first night and two the second, and so on. So there is an opinion in the Mishnah that you're supposed to light eight candles the first night of Hanukkah. But that's opinions in the discussion of the halacha. Once the halacha has been reached and ruled, and that is that the halacha is according to Hillel, then throughout the world, light one candle the first night of Hanukkah, two candles the second night of Hanukkah. Let's continue with the letter. It is clear from the above psak Din of Rambam that before there can be the ingathering of the exiles and the rebuilding of the temple in its original place, there has to be a full and complete return to the Torah and mitzvahs while Jews are still in exile. And it is this that constitutes the prelude and preparation for the Geula, for the Redemption." I'm aware of the fact that there are many individuals who wish to rely on this or that saying of our sages in the Tractate Sanhedrin or in the Yerushalmi and so on in order to base their views upon them. But I have always marveled at the inconsistency of their entire approach. For surely the Rambam knew and understood the relevant sayings of the sages as found in the Tractate Sanhedrin the Jerusalem Talmud, etc., at least as well as the individuals quoting them. The inconsistency lies in the fact that these very individuals consider every other word and expression of the Rambam to be meticulously exact and study them with awesome reverence. Yet when it comes to this simple, straightforward psak din of the Rambam, not finding it to their liking, they simply ignore it altogether. My reason for replying to your letter at some length, not that this length does justice to the subject matter, is that it is simply too painful to contemplate the misplaced concern of some well-meaning individuals. Instead of each and every Jew, young and old, men and women, dedicating themselves wholeheartedly to reducing and eventually doing away with the causes which brought about the exile, namely, because of our sins we've been exiled from our land and the nature of these sins is clearly spelled out in the Shulchan Aruch. There are many Jews, undoubtedly well-intentioned, who use all their energy and influence and bring to bear every kind of human ingenuity in the attempt to find ways to bring about the end of our exile. This is in fact doubly painful. Firstly, These people are only deluding themselves when they put their trust in any other means of Geulah than that which God has specified. And secondly, as long as they are taken up with these other ways and means in a futile effort to end the exile, they are not engaging fully in the true battle against the exile as defined in the Psakhdin of Rambam. May God grant that each and every one of us in the midst of all Israel should be inspired with true heavenly inspiration to walk in the way of Torah and to mend its fences. For it is this and this alone that will pave the way for Mashiach by implementing all the conditions necessary to bring about the full and complete geulah. So the Rebbe is saying here a number of things. Number one, political changes, geographic changes, Military changes do not in any way indicate the end of Golis. In the condition of Golis, we can have better political alliances or worse political alliances. There were times when we in fact had great relationships with other countries or the countries in which we lived, and there were times when those relationships were terrible. In both cases, we were still in exile. And the same with military abilities, military sophistication. These are not indications of redemption, but merely the ability to defend ourselves better while still in exile. What then is an indication that the exile is over? Exile means a loss of contact with godliness. Even when a person sins... And surely there were people who sinned while we lived in Israel under King David or King Solomon. When we had the temple, people sinned. But the sins could be forgiven. It didn't represent a complete loss of closeness, a complete detachment from godliness. It is that attachment to godliness that makes the world sane, a sane world is not a world of exile. When we lose that attachment, when the godliness in our lives has faded to a dangerous level, then life is no longer as it's meant to be. Things are then not as they are meant to be. And so the world is destroyed, topsy-turvy, and everything is backwards. Nothing is as it should be. So the people of Israel are not in the land of Israel. Etc., etc., and that is exile. To correct the exile, to undo the exile, to bring about G'ula redemption means simply reattaching ourselves, reconnecting ourselves to godliness to such a degree where the godliness becomes so real that it describes and defines our lives, and when it does, then our lives are normal and sane and healthy, and there can be no possibility of exile of a world turned on its head. That's the first point. The second point is, those who wish to do something to bring about the redemption, or who are looking at least for signs of redemption, and they're coming up with all sorts of obscure quotes and statements and, and verses, that Rebbe says, you needn't bother. There are no secrets concerning such vital subjects. There are no secrets in Torah. The Torah tells us, and the Rambam spells it out for us, succinctly, clearly, unmistakably. And that is, the signs of redemption are that even while in exile, before we know for sure that Mashiach is Mashiach, we first have to see a return to godliness, a return to Torah and mitzvahs. We have to see a fight, a battle for godliness that is won. We have to see an ingathering of the Jews and the rebuilding of the temple, which will indicate that the Geula has arrived. And so rather than be distracted by other things, we should put our efforts into preparing the golus, the exile, properly so that the geulah may come. And that is that while we're still in exile, we need to rediscover godliness, return to godliness, be excited about Torah and mitzvahs, and thereby introduce the geulah, the redemption. And then finally, the Rebbe says, the third point, and I think probably the most painful point for the Rebbe, is that there are those who actually study Rambam and appreciate the awesome wisdom and truth of the Rambam's works. And yet when it comes to this ruling on Mashiach, where the Rambam is very clear and very precise, here people find other quotes, other sources, other authorities, to rely on rather than Rambam. And the Rebbe says, surely the Gemara you're quoting, Rambam knew that too. Or if it's a Medrash or if it's a Zohar, the Rambam knew that too. And yet the Rambam says, don't be confused. Don't be distracted. This is how Mashiach happens. This is the Halacha. And to look elsewhere is like lighting eight candles on the first night of Hanukkah. You have a quote to support that behavior, but it's wrong. It's not the way we light the menorah. And the way Mashiach comes is exactly as Rambam describes it. And so, if we see, and I believe we are seeing, a renewal of interest In godly matters a return to goodness to kindness to morality to quoting from Torah to calling in the name of God to protect us and to defend us and so on this is a very positive indicator because this fits with what Rambam says that before the coming of Mashiach and before we can be sure that Mashiach is here while still in exile we have to see a genuine return to godliness to Torah and to mitzvahs it seems from all of the above that uh, the writer to whom the Deba is, is sending this letter or the person to whom the Deb is sending this letter must have been suggesting based on various quotes that he found in various places in Torah he was probably suggesting some project that he believed would help bring an end to the exile and the beginning of the redemption. And in response to that, the Rebbe tells him how sad it is that people are investing their time and their talents trying to find a solution for the exile, which means the darkness, the confusion, the distortion of, of, of loss of, of morals and values and so on, which, of course, everyone should try to find a solution for, but the sad thing that Ebba says is that they're putting their talents and their efforts into finding solutions that are not going to work, that are futile, instead of putting their efforts where they could be effective and where, where they will be effective, where we are guaranteed that as we do tshuva, which means return, as we come back to godliness, we are guaranteed that we are immediately redeemed Redeemed in the very literal and visible and tangible and undisputable redemption, where there is an end of war and an end of suffering and an end of competition among nations and among peoples, where there is a desire to come together in a common effort to serve God properly, to know God's will and to fulfill it and to do it in order to make this world a divine dwelling place holier and greater than the heaven of heavens.